Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? We good? Good. Congratulations, you guys have perfect attendance for church this year. So give yourselves a round of applause for that. Yeah. For those of you joining us on the stream, you don't have perfect attendance, at least in person, but I guess you have perfect attendance online, so welcome in as well. If you guys all know who I am, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Pleasure to see all of you and just to be here today. Really excited for this new series we have as we kick off the new year called Margin. So uh, today we're going to be talking about how to create more margin in our time. So time, right? Time, it's, it never stops. It's constantly going. It's constantly in motion. Uh, there's never enough of it. The clock is always ticking. The sun is always rising. The sun is always setting without fail. See, we have a finite amount of time to accomplish everything that we want each and every day, each and every year. And it seems like there's just never enough of it. So now we're faced with a new year. We have maybe the chance, the opportunity for a fresh start. Maybe some of you have already started some of those New Year's resolutions. I know mine starts tomorrow, so pray for me. Um, my wife is laughing at me because she's, she knows. But you know, some of us have already started those resolutions and already have failed. Some of us have previous experience with starting New Year's resolutions and we have failed. And we know the pain that comes along with that. We know the pain that comes from there just not being enough time to accomplish our goals. So what are you looking for this year? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a new year, new me? Or are you looking for a new year, same old me? You know, I believe when it comes to our faith that we always have room for growth. I think that we can always have this new year, new me mentality as we begin the year, because there is always room for growth. If you are breathing, if you made it to church today, and you're alive, there is room for you to grow in your faith. So I challenge you maybe with think, thinking that New Year, New Me maybe starts with creating a little bit more margin in our lives, margin with our time. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be discussing how to create margin with our time, margin with our money, and margin with focus and energy. That way that we can take our lives, and they can be ones that honor God with our choices, with our time, and it actually gets us to the path of life that God has in store for each and every one of us. So there are a lot of things, right? There's a lot of things twisting and pulling and biting for our time and pulling us away from our one true purpose. And our one true purpose is to be the best Christ follower that we can, to follow Christ the best way that we can, and to bring people along with us in that process. That's your one true purpose. If you follow Jesus, that's what you're here to do. But it's hard to do when you just don't have the time. So I want you to do, think about this, all right? As we're going to begin this journey. We're going to see how we can create more margin with our time. But as we do that, as we begin, think of your life as a plate. Think of your life as a plate. And the food that you put on that plate are the things that you fill your life up with. Maybe your plate looks a lot like this. There it is. That plate right there. That looks, that's a pretty great looking plate. Now, hopefully, maybe you guys had breakfast. So that plate, you know, maybe, maybe, might, maybe not, might not make you hungry. But um, think about this, though. Okay. 
That looks like a Thanksgiving plate to me. Think about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day, you're there. All the food's getting cooked. You're, you're smelling it in the house. You're like, oh, I can't wait to eat all this food. You have, and then it's finally, it's your turn to get in line and to eat some food. So you get in line. You grab, the, you know, you grab the, the mashed potatoes or the sweet potatoes. You grab the green beans. You grab the corn pudding. You grab the roll. You grab the salad. You get the stuffing. And then you get to the turkey, and you're like, you look down at your plate, and you realize... I don't have any room for turkey. Anybody else's plate look like that on Thanksgiving? Yeah, mine typically does too. No? Okay. But <laughs> So think of it like this. Okay, so the plate is your life. The things that you put on your plate, you fill up your plate with, are the activities of your life. So maybe the mashed potatoes are taking your kids to their sports activities. Maybe, uh, maybe the, the cranberry sauce is the time you spend with your spouse because it's so sweet. Uh, maybe the sweet potatoes are uh, your time you spend on social media. Maybe the roll is the time that you get spend at work. Or maybe, maybe the stuffing. <laughs> but what about the turkey? You look down at your plate, you fill it up with all these sides, and you go to put the turkey on, and you're like, I don't know where to put it. Sure, you can pile it on top of all that, but it's really not going to fit because your plate is going to be overflowing. Think of it like this. The turkey is the time that you spend with Jesus. The turkey is the time you spend reading your Bible, the time that you are in community groups, the time that, that you come to church, the time that you spend evangelizing, or that's a fancy term, which basically means the time that you spend telling people about Jesus, the time that you spend in prayer. See, oftentimes, a lot of us, when it comes to our plates and our lives and the things that we fill it up with, we don't save enough room for the turkey. Or we just try to cram it on top of all that and it really doesn't fit. Some of us even have gotten to the point where the turkey is or the main thing, right? Which turkey is Jesus for right now. So we've come to the point where the turkey is just another side dish. It's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. It's just become another part of our life that we try to fit into the rest of our life instead of being a part of our entire life. See, the problem is that Jesus has become another side, not the main course. I mean, you don't have to look far to see that either. If you look at church attendance, you look into statistics for that, church attendance is one out of every four Sundays. So if you go to church once a month, congratulations, you're a regular attender. attender. But let me ask you this. Think of it this way. Think of your favorite restaurant. Do you, are, do you guys have a favorite restaurant around here or like a regular, that you're like a regular at a restaurant? Does anybody have that? So for me, Mariachi Loco. Love the food, love the people, love the time. Oftentimes when my wife gets me time away from me and the kids, that's where me and the kids go. So we become kind of regulars there. They, they know us, they know our order. Okay, so think about that. Now, think about if you would only go to that place once a month. Would you be considered a regular? Would they know your order? Would they know who you were? If you just popped in, ordered your food, got in, got out, went through the motions. Would, they, would you be considered a regular there? My guess is you wouldn't be because they wouldn't know you because you you're not there enough. You see, what we do with our time when it comes to creating margin, what we do with our time matters. We have to fill our lives up with something that would honor God. We have, and the problem is that we filled our lives up with so many other things that we can't make time for him. There is another way, church. There's another way. 
And we have to start recognizing that there's another way, and we have to start doing what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, which is where we're going to start today. So if you guys have your Bibles or smartphones, you, know, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to read this today, uh, starting in verse 15. So it says this. Pay careful attention, then, to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. So pay careful attention, then, to how you live your life. Making the most of the time because the days are, what's that word, church? The days are evil. The days are evil. It matters what you do with your time because the days are evil. Time is not on your side. So we have to pay attention, pay careful attention to how we live our lives or else what happens if we're not paying careful attention, we're just going through life on a whim. We'll create a slippery slope to where one choice leads to another, one choice leads to another, to where God is now here and everything else is here, or they're on the same level plane. It's a slippery slope, and if you're not paying careful attention to how you live, you could wind up there. God should be at the center, not on the edges. You do realize that it is about perspective, right? So when you wake up every morning, and you maybe mostly relatively pain-free, hopefully, and you do this, You do realize that's a gift. God doesn't have to give us that. But it's his grace that he has over our lives that allows us to wake up and to breathe. Every breath you have is a gift from God. Everything you have. It's about perspective and understanding what truly matters. Think of it like this. Okay, I see some of you have some glasses on. I know I'm wearing glasses right now. Okay, so if I were to take my glasses off, which I'll do that now, and I would go to about here. Anything beyond that is blurry. My wife actually sees me without my glasses at home, and she's like, can you see me? And I actually can't. She's really just blurry. So all of you are blurry right now, so I'm going to put my glasses back on so I can actually see your beautiful faces. But if we're not paying careful attention to how we live, it's like we're walking through life without glasses, if you need them. If you don't need glasses... Good for you. <laughs> but it's like you're walking through life without glasses. You're just stumbling through everything. You're driving. You're a danger to society because you can't see where you're going. You're not paying careful attention to how you live. And what happens? Typically disaster. So it's, it matters, if it matters what we do with our time, it, we need to understand that we need to pay careful attention to how we do spend our time. You get to look at your life carefully. You have to see, what are some things that I'm doing in my life that I'm doing that actually honor God? Am I doing anything in my life that doesn't honor God? And call me to the life that he wants me to live. So why is it so important, though, that we, we pay careful attention to our time? It's because the days are evil. Okay, Time is not on your side like nationwide. It's just not. Thank you for the, uh, the, the courtesy laugh of my dad joke. But time is one of those things, if you're down on the ground and you hold your hand up, time will hold its hand up to you and say, come up here, and then it'll kick you back down. T 
time is not on your side. It is not your friend. It is evil. There is only a finite amount of time that you have in your life, and you have to steward it well. You have to, to spend it well. You have to let Jesus invade every space of your life, not just be a side. You have to let Jesus lead the entourage, not just simply be a part of the entourage. So what does it look like, though, to honor God with our time? What does that look like? Well, I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you guys want to flip to that, you can, we're going to start in verse 7. But Peter gives us a nice three-step plan on how we can honor God with our time. He gives us a, a, a glimpse of what biblical time spent well can be. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. It says this. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. And if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And when you see a passage of scripture that ends, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That's the mic drop there. Everything we do comes from God. He is the source. He is the strength. So that he may be glorified. And so what I wanted this to do, first off, I wanted to remind us that what we do with our time matters. And secondly, what I want to do is I want to look through this three-step plan that Peter has given us, and I want to break it down a little bit and help us understand what he's actually trying to say. So we're going to start back in verse 7, and verse 7 says this, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober-minded for prayer. So, the, so be alert and sober-minded for prayer is a lot like saying what Paul said in Ephesians, where pay careful attention to how you live your life because the days are evil. So, so be alert and sober-minded for prayer. And the first part of that, where it says the end of all things is near, like, I don't know about you, but where I typically go with that is I see a guy with a cardboard sign that says the end is near. I see, I think apocalypse, I think the end of the world, I think nuclear bombs, I think all these things. But I'm here to tell you I live through Y2K and those, the, the whole end of the world stuff. It's, it's not really what it's cracked up to be. It's just not. But what he's saying by the end, is, the end of all things is near is he's saying pay careful attention to your life and how you live it. Because ever since Jesus ascended to the throne in heaven, the end of all things is near because there will come a time where Jesus will come back. We have to be alert. We have to be sober-minded for prayer. That means we have to slow down and actually pray. That means we have to spend our time, be sober-minded, understand the situation, understand that you could be a blessing to somebody by your life if you just would give them the time, if you're being alert. There are so many situations in your life that you can bless somebody if you would just pay attention, if you would slow down and give yourself time. We have to live our life with perspective, not fear. Okay? The end of all things is near. That shouldn't make us fear. That should make, give us perspective. We need to value our time, or as Taylor will remind you probably next week, and as we continue in the series, maybe something to remind you, you have to value your time. You have to value your money. You have to value your energy and your focus. 
You have to value those things or somebody else will. You have to value your time or somebody else will. You have to be alert. You have to be sober-minded. You have to look for that opportunity to bless somebody. And we need to understand all this through the lens that the fight that we are fighting with this, it isn't simply something that we see right in front of us. There are things happening beyond our realm and the spiritual realm that are happening. There's a battle, right? Our struggle is not just simply against man. Our struggle is against the principalities and the, the forces of evil. If we understand that what we're fighting against is something that is much bigger than us, it's the same battle that Adam and Eve fought, that everybody since Adam and Eve have fought, the good versus evil battle. We have to understand that we're in this battle too, especially if you follow Christ, because the enemy is pleading and ploying for your time. He's pleading and ploying to distract you from your one true purpose. He's pleading to take you away from the things that would honor God. And quite frankly, if you look at the world, he's kind of winning. But we know that the battle has already been won, and we know that Jesus will come back again and make that official at some point. But we have to understand that what we do with our time matters, and this fight that we're fighting is one that is much bigger than us. We have to be able to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to God. Let me say that again. We have to be able to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to God. And can I tell you guys something, like just a little something, just lifting the veil a little bit? I'm preaching to myself a lot here. Like the things that we're talking about, I also struggle with. I say yes to probably too many things. I'm preaching to myself here, but what we do with our time matters. So what I'm going to do with, the, with all the, the things that I fill my life up with, I'm going to point people to God every single chance I can. So I'm preaching to myself here. But understand that the fight that you are fighting, the struggle that you are having right now, is, it's much bigger than what you can see. There are, there are forces that we cannot see that are ploying for our time, that are ploying to, to pull us away from God. So we have to remember this also what, what verse 8 says. Let's break that down. Verse 8 says, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. So it says maintain constant love. It doesn't say, hey, have love when it's convenient. Love that person when it's convenient. Love that person when they're nice to you. It says maintain constant love. Guys, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble with that. Nobody is perfect. We have to have grace for them. We have to maintain constant love because love covers a multitude of sins. This verse has been used by certain people in the world out of context. Love covers a multitude of sins. They say love is love. No, love is telling that person when they are in habitual sin. Love is not enabling that sin. Love is showing them the love of Jesus. Love is not excusing the sin. Love is also forgiving the person. So it could be that person to the left or right of you, that person at work that you don't like, the, the, the person that you need to forgive It can be really hard to love them, especially when they've done something wrong to you. But Jesus tells us that when somebody sins against you, you don't forgive them just seven times, you forgive them 70 times seven times. And I would imagine that if you went back to Jesus after you forgave that person 70 times seven times, he'd say, hey, forgive them again. Again, it doesn't mean we excuse sin. It doesn't mean we enable sin. It means that we love people well. And loving them well 
sometimes means pulling them to the side and telling them the truth, but doing so in a manner that's not condemning, it's not judgmental, but it's one of love. Maintain that constant love. And our time, right, we've been talking about maintaining constant love, our time should be spent showing the love of Jesus and loving people the way that Jesus loved people, seeing people the way that Jesus saw them. He loves you and he loves me despite all of the things that we've done in our life. Jesus knows everything that we've done. The good stuff and the bad stuff, the, ba- the stuff that you don't tell anybody about, that bad stuff, Jesus knows about that. And guess what? He still loves you. He still wants a relationship with you. He still runs to you with arms wide open like Aaron was saying. Jesus loves you that much, even though he knows exactly who you are. We love because Jesus loves, loved us first. That's why we love. And our love should be a reflection of our Heavenly Father and His ways, especially for the people who are different than us. That includes the people who look differently than you, the people who vote differently than you, the people who smell differently than you, the people who look differently than you. That includes everybody. We are to love everybody, including the people who maybe don't value Jesus the way that you value Him. can't argue somebody into heaven. You've heard me say that before if if you've been around. You can't argue somebody into heaven, but what you can do is live your life as a reflection of your heavenly father and show them the way. Show them how to live that way. We love because Jesus loved us first. So let's move on to verse 9 and 10. These kind of go hand in hand. It says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. So love and hospitality, they go hand in hand. Right? If you're looking for it, this is the, the how we should spend our time. Right? We should show hospitality, by the way, without complaining. And we should serve one another with our gifts, with the gifts that God has given you. Yes, you, God has given you a gift. Even if you don't believe it, even if you're like, yeah, God gave me a gift a long time ago, but I don't use it. Use it, because God gave you that gift. We should use our gift to serve others, not serve ourselves. That's pretty countercultural with our society. In our society, we're told, serve yourself first. Like, even, even when it comes to like a plane and they tell you, hey, whenever if we, if we lose cabin pressure, the oxygen mask will drop. And then what do you do? You put your oxygen mask on first before you put anybody else's on. Now, in that case, that makes sense because it's safety because you can't put somebody's oxygen mask on if you're passed out. But we live in a society where things like that are normal. But we are to serve others first, not serve ourselves. What we do with our time matters. And I love this passage because it is outward facing. Right? It doesn't look inward at ourselves, it's outward facing. It looks how we how we can serve others without complaining, how we can we can use the gifts that God has given us based upon what He's given us to serve others. It's outward facing. It looks out at the world and sees that it needs Jesus. It looks out and says, hey, I can use my gift to help that person. And it all points back to Jesus. Why do we serve? Because Jesus served. Jesus came to serve and not be served. We have to understand that Jesus could have lorded his authority over us. He could have said, hey, you know what? I'm going to will you into my, my cause here because I'm the king of heaven and I can do this. But he didn't do that. Jesus had a better way. He understood. He wanted to give us that 
choice, to choose him. That it was better for us, that our love would be so much deeper, that we could make more disciples if we just love Jesus the way that he wants us to love him, if we'd love others the way that Jesus loves them, if we serve others the way that Jesus served others. He came to serve and not be served, so we have to be outward facing. We can't look in on ourselves. We have to be outward facing at all times. So it begs the question, how do we create space for God to fill up our cups so that we can serve others when our plates are full? So think back to your plate again, right? How can we allow God, give God the time to fill up our cups so that we can bless others, we can serve others if we are not willing to look at our plate and realize how full it is? We have to be able to assess that. We have to understand all the things that we've been learning. We have to understand that our life should be one of an outward-facing manner. But what's the source of all that? What's the source of our strength? What's the source of, all of the, everything that we do? And that's why I love verse 11, because it's a great reminder from Peter. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God is the strength, the source of our strength. God is the source of our words. And why? So that we can glorify him in everything. If we are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, one that is holy and pleasing to God, that's our true worship, then we are to actually do that. We are actually to embody that. And we have to understand that the source of our strength, the source of our wisdom, the source of everything in our life, it's God. You know, we get so caught up in this, this American dream, this living the good life, you know, having the nice car, having the nice house, having the perfectly striped yard, having the, the, the kids who actually behave in public places, having the, the amount of money that you can actually give to people, having, you know, the American dream, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. We all get so caught up in that that our plates become overflowed with the American dream. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the American dream. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with working hard. There's quite absolutely nothing wrong with that because the Bible actually tells you to work hard, but it also tells you the Sabbath. It also tells you to rest. It also tells you that God should be the center of your, of your life, of your world. So there's nothing wrong with working hard. Working hard is a good thing. And maybe you're working hard to leave a legacy, and that's great. I think leaving a legacy... Maybe one of faith in your family. Maybe you're breaking some generational curses by being in church. I think it's great to leave a legacy. But my question for you, when it comes to your legacy, when it comes to your life, maybe I'm twisting the knife a bit, but who gets the credit? Who gets the credit for that? Is it you? Or does God get the credit? Is God the source of your strength? Is he the source of your words? Or are you? Maybe you have to ask yourself that question and legitimately and assess yourself on that, honestly. See, what we do with our time matters, and who gets credit for that time matters. Because God provides that. He provides our strength, he provides our words, and it's also that God may be glorified. Our chief end, what we're here to, be, to do is to glorify God in all that we do. And I love in Psalm 90, verse 12, and for those of you who maybe have Heard people talk about how the Old Testament is, oh, it's not relevant anymore, it's the Old Testament. I would beg to differ. All, all of Scripture points to Jesus, by the way. But I love this because in Psalm 90, verse 12, he's basically saying the same thing 
that Paul said in Ephesians, he's saying the same thing that Peter said later. He says this in verse 12, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. He's asking God, he's saying, God, teach us, teach me to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. I think it's important he understood the source. So teach us to number our days. In case you're wondering about the days, there's 24 hours in the day. There's 1,440 minutes. There's 86,400 seconds in a day. That's in just in a day. So it seems like a lot. All right, there's, all right let's look at a year. Okay, let's, let's just say it's not a leap year. So there's 365 days. There's 52 weeks. There's 8,760 hours. There's 525,600 minutes. There's 31,536,000 seconds in a year. That seems like a lot, but yet it seems like we never have enough of it. We can never have enough time. It's just not enough. The days are evil. What we do with our time matters, and time is not on your side. So where do we go? Where do we turn? How do we know what to do? We go to our creator. We ask him to teach us to number our days so that we can develop wisdom. God is our teacher. God is our teacher, and it's our responsibility to be good students. It's our responsibility to be good stewards of that grace, of that gift that he gave us in our lives. It's our responsibility to continually let God develop our hearts so that the knowledge that we gain sinks deeper than just our heads. It goes into our hearts. It sinks into every fiber of our being, in our hearts, and our soul. And all of this, why? So that we can love like Jesus loved. So that we can serve like Jesus served. So that we can be good stewards of that gift that God has given us. I'm going to encourage you guys, maybe, maybe this year, put this psalm. It's psalm 90, verse 12. You can take a picture of it on the screen, or you can ask me later what psalm I'm talking about. But put this on your mirror as you're getting ready for the day, as you're driving to work, whatever you need to do, but put that somewhere where you'll see it every day and pray that at some, at some point. Start your day off of that. Teach me the number of my days, God. Carefully, not just flippantly, teach me the number of my days carefully so that I may develop wisdom in my heart for you, the kind of wisdom that you want me to have. If we number our days and we create margin for God to work in our lives, then God will use us. He'll use our lives to serve his creation more effectively. If our plates aren't so full and God has got a portion, he's, he's the main dish, he's not just part of the plate, then we'll be able to have that margin in our time where we can serve others. We're not walking around like zombies because our plates are so full and we're, missing, we're not missing opportunities to bless others. I mean, could you imagine that? If we would reorient our lives to be ones of service, to serve others, not just serve ourselves, you know, where our time revolves, our, and also our resources revolve around what God wants us to do, what the will of God instead of our will. Maybe you, this could be the year where you bring somebody along in that journey. But there is no time like the present. You can start right now. You can start today. You don't have to wait any amount of time, you can start today. If, if you tried a New Year's resolution and you already screwed it up, guess what? You can start right now. Find that margin. Find that time. You might need some realignment. You might need to look at your life and realign some things and adjust 
so that you can be a, a sharper, more effective soldier for Jesus. So you have to ask yourself, will it be a new year, new me? Or will it be a new year, same old me? Either way, know this. Everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. You have to choose yours wisely. With your time, with your resources for the rest of the series, everything has a cost. You have to choose yours wisely. Living a life of service to the one true king will cost you something. Reorienting your life around God's plan and God's will, not your own, it'll cost you something. But we have to be willing to pay the cost. Jesus was willing to pay the cost. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And our lives should be a reflection of that love that Jesus showed us. It should be a reflection of the service that Jesus shows us. And our lives should be ones that we are willing to lay them down for him. Everything and say, Jesus, this is yours. I don't know what you want me to do with this. I don't know where to start. But I know that my life has been in shambles. My life hasn't been as as fulfilling as it could be. My life has not been serving the purpose that you want me to serve. So Jesus, I lay it at your feet. It's yours. Teach me what to do. Start there. Start with that prayer. But then go here. Where do do we go from here? Maybe an action step for you guys. Find somebody. This could be, if you're married, it's spouse. If, If you're if you're dating somebody or if you're engaged or something like that, maybe a significant other. Uh, if, you, if you're a, a teen, maybe finding a parent. Uh, if, if you're single, finding a, a trusted friend, maybe somebody who's biblically founded. But find that person in your life that God is using for you, maybe to hold you accountable. Find that person in your life and ask these four questions. Hey, they're gonna come up on the screen one at a time, so feel free to take a picture with your cell phone or I can give you these questions later, but take an honest assessment of your plate. Look at it. See the things that are on it and ask yourself these questions. Is my plate overflowing? Or is my cup overflowing? Because I've let God prepare. Because I've allowed God to prepare. Is my plate overflowing or is my cup overflowing because I have allowed God to prepare it? Psalm 23 says that you prepare a table for me in the presence of of my enemies and my cup overflows. So, is my plate overflowing or is my cup overflowing because I've allowed God to repair it? Start there. The next question, what's on my plate? What is on my plate that I need to downsize or get rid of? And don't be afraid to clear your plate and start over. As long as God is at the center. What is on my plate that I need to downsize or get rid of? And then equally important, what do I need to add to my plate? What do I need to add to my plate? And then the last question, maybe the most important, what is my plan moving forward to make this happen? So don't just recognize what's on your plate and say, yeah, I probably should do something about that. Make a plan moving forward to make it happen. This could be the year. This could be the year where you, things start to shift for you. This, is, this could be the year where you truly start creating margin in your life so that you can bless others. But start by going through this 
and asking where you can create margin in your time and allow God to enter that. And the question you have to ask yourselves is, will you honor God with your time? Or are you going to just keep the same old status quo because that's what's comfortable? Are you going to honor God with your time or are you going to keep status quo because that's just what, hey, I've been doing it for 30 years. Sounds great. I think we can expect better of ourselves. New year, new you. New year, new me. Not new year, same old me. Creating margin will free you up to bless so many people and allow others to be a blessing to you. But make sure as you assess your plate, right, as you fill it back up, that you make sure you leave room for Jesus. And maybe, maybe your plate's looking fine, but maybe Jesus needs to be the gravy on your plate. It needs to be the thing that you pour over the entire thing. Maybe, maybe that's a better description of, of how Jesus looks on your plate. Because Jesus needs to be a part of our, every avenue, every aspect of our lives. And I pray that he is. But remember this as you assess too. I want to remind us of this, is that everything has a cost. Everything has a cost. Choose yours wisely. Choose something that honors God. So let's stand and we're going to, I want to pray. The band's going to come out and they're going to sing. God, thank you so much just for this time that we've had together. I thank you that, thank you for the example that Jesus was. The way that he spent his time and his life as an act of worship to you as in service to others, how he willingly, was, he willingly gave his life for you and for us. I thank you for him and I thank you that you have given us the, the ability to see Jesus and to see how he lived his life. And I pray that as we enter this year, as we go and we try to create more margin within our life, whether that be in our time, our money, our focuses and our energy, as we try to create more margin, God, I pray that, that you would give us the courage to step out into the things that are not comfortable. To be willing to lay it all out there and say, you know what, my life, it does not honor you. Everything I do, the most important things in my life, God, do they do not honor you. I'm going to clear my plate and I'm going to let you fill it up. Whatever that looks like, God, I pray that you give us the strength to do that. Don't let this moment slip by where we can be better, we can continue to grow, and we say, I'm just not willing to do it. God, you are worthy of our, all of our time. You are worthy of all of our worship. You are worthy of our entire lives. And I pray that you would allow our lives to reflect your love, your service, and the way that you love others. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to do so, God. Jesus, you are better than anything that we could ever imagine. Everything we do is for you. We love you. And we praise you as we, and hear us as we sing. We love, us, we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.